I, I really did want to begin this message with the race car sound. I mean, and if, if you would indulge me, no, no, it's all right, it's all right. I, I, it's, uh, it was about racing, though. The message is about racing. And uh, I have this man to blame right here, John Kemp, uh, a big NASCAR fan and uh, racing fan. And it's been a lot, I, I don't really know a lot about racing and NASCAR and stuff. I'm still learning a little bit. But John invited me to an event at uh, Richard Childress Racing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. And he invited me to an event that they were all having to get together. And I am so unaware of everything. When he invited me, he says, go to the main place. You know, I ended up in the vineyard. Do you know, do you know where the vineyard is? I gave, I was, I called John, I was like, I don't know if I'm in the right place, I'm with the, the grapes and the vines and stuff. It was amazing. So anyway, they did, you know, so I finally figured out where to go to, and, and what it was, was it's an event done by Mike Dillon. Do, does anybody here know Mike Dillon at all? Have you ever heard of that name? He is the general manager and son-in-law of Richard Childress Racing. And he's a former racer himself. He's a former driver. Uh, did a little NASCAR. He's, he's a very interesting guy, interesting story. But he's one of those guys, if you know drivers at all, they're pretty sort of intense. Have you ever noticed they're like going like this all? It's like their minds are going like 100 miles or 1,000 miles an hour. And they're just, there's an intensity to them. But by just talking to him, I just got a chance to talk to him about like five minutes or whatever, you could find out that the guy is a very kind and good guy, and that the guy really does love God. And the, the reason why he had gathered us all together is there was a group of all these pastors that he wants to get together to promote a book and an event, uh, specifically a book. So what, what was happening is he trains young drivers. He's a trainer as well. And one of his young drivers that he was training to be Mario Andretti or Dale Earnhardt or whatever, uh, his father had written a book. And it was called The First Hour by Mark Koch. And this, it was a book that it really transformed Mike's life. He had been a, Christi a Christian his whole life pretty much, but this book, it changed him. And he wanted to celebrate this book as well as have an event, which is going to be on October 26th, where they celebrate the life of, and this is what I'm saying, Christian men. To celebrate Christian men, because it's not always easy in this world to be a Christian man. And if you can imagine, we have a culture that doesn't always celebrate Christian manhood. And so to celebrate that, as well as celebrate this book, he's, he's doing this stuff. And, and so one of the books... The, with the book, like I said, is that it's a, it's a challenge. It's a challenge where you read it every single day. There's a chapter a day, and you're reading Proverbs along with it. Proverbs has uh, 31 chapters in it. And you're supposed to read it, and there's all these things to do, like pray with your kids half an hour a day, and uh, do this and that. And I want to say that... Well, how'd you do, John? How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. He's, I'm doing the same. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I, I, I did a little bit of stuff in Proverbs, and I, you know, I, but the checklist and stuff like that. I'm, I, gosh, if I, 
this was a race, I don't think I would have won it. I'd, I'd say probably. I don't even know if I began. But uh, anyway, it was really neat. We got the tour, the secret tour of the facility. And it was amazing to see how they make these race cars. You know, each race, there's, today we're racing in Texas, right? And uh, each race has two race cars they make specifically for that race. And so you can see them all along the line as the whole production because they're making multiple race cars for multiple races. Each, it's just incredible to see the production there. And it's a little bit, when you're in there, you feel like you're in Willy Wonka's factory a little bit. There's just not, Willie's not there, uh, Mr. Wonker. But it's just so crazy. It's like there's, everybody's sort of dressed the same. They're all guys besides a handful of them, almost all men. And they have sort of this orange glow to them a little bit. And they sing songs. Every time we get lost, every, every time I would, would the, the guy, no, the, no, but it's sort of interesting. And there's, here's one crazy thing, is there is a secret room there where they say, do not use cameras, photography, cell phones must be, and it's like the place where they develop their prototypes. They're super secret stuff. And I just could imagine, you know, remember in that scene in that movie where, like, Mr. Slugworth wants an everlasting gobstopper, and I just... <laughs> anyway, Richard Childress Racing, your secrets are safe. I didn't do anything. They're good. And it's sort of amazing that they have been so successful and won so many championships, particularly with Dale Earnhardt. But you know what's sort of interesting? I was doing a little bit of research, and it's not hard to do. They're all on the internet there. I was doing a little research on uh, Michael Dillon and his career. And the fact that he is one of the few guys that has gone through the whole tiers, all the tiers of racing, you know, from the NASCAR Cup all the way down to all the different levels. And he's never won a race. He's been in a million races, hundreds of races. And, and never seen, there have been times he's come close. But he never won one. And it's so crazy, even Richard Childress. You know, Richard Childress, with all the success he had, golly, I mean, he's worth, oh, never won a race. The highest he ever finished was fifth. And he's built this racing empire, but in all his time, could you imagine how, I think he finished third, fifth, I mean, could you imagine, I think he got up to second one time and came so close. That's me. That's my story. I wasn't racing. I wasn't racing like that. I wasn't in a in a you know a Camaro or something like that. I had a Toyota Tercel. Can't do a lot of racing in those things too much. <laughs> now I was I was I was fast. I was as fast as the wind. I was just so incredibly... I was, nobody in my neighborhood had a chance. But you know the crazy thing is, as you expand outside of the neighborhood, you realize there's other people who run faster than you. And I remember that when the only thing I ever did, I went in track for one year, and the event that they gave me was the 400. Has anybody ever been in the track before? Anybody run track before? So you know the four. I always wanted the 100, which is really quick. 
and you're over. But the 400, you got to sprint the whole time. The whole time. It's a quarter mile. You're running a whole quarter mile. And I remember that whole year, I never ran faster. I never, you're supposed to do it in less than a minute. That was the goal. And I never, I never did it. I never did. I kept trying and kept trying. And not only that, there was this one guy who was a senior, and I was a freshman, and he was always sort of a little smug, you know, sort of a jerk. I don't know his name. And, yeah, but he was sort of a jerk, and he always was a little faster, always better. And I remember the very last meet of the year, the very last one. He was a senior. I'd never see him again. And I remember we took off, and it was a big citywide meet. Big. I mean, there were lots of people. And I remember we took off, and there were, he had never lost a race. But at this huge, huge citywide meet, there were two people who just took off and left us in the dust. I mean, they were like superhumans. And here we were, we were running, we were running, and I was so close to him, so close. I was breathing down his back. And at the very end of that race, he pulled away. And he beat me. And I remember as I was finishing that race and I was so sort of disappointed and that I just didn't, I'd never get another chance. I heard the words, Reigns, 58.7. And I couldn't believe it. I had not only gone under a minute, I had like obliterated my record. And the guy turned around to me, had a big old broad smile. And I, I, there was just something different in his eyes when he told me, good race. Something to it. You know, have you ever felt like that before? Like you're in the wrong race? I'm in the wrong event. And then at the end, you found out you were actually in the very race you needed to be. Okay, well, I looked in the scriptures for racing. Particularly Dale Earnhardt and folks like that. He's not in there. In fact, there's really not anything in the Jewish Testament and the Old Testament that we're going to find about racing whatsoever. There, I, I cannot find a single example, and I, I spent a whole hour yesterday looking, of somebody racing in the, in the Bible. Like Samson says, I'll race you to, the, to up and down the hill, and whoever does it gets a free pot. No, nothing like that. Never an example of that. There's really not much competition, or really any form of competition I found. No sort of things, never arm wrestling to see who's the strongest man or anything. The, the competition, if you were going to call it that, is often very symbolic, like between Cain and Abel. Or perhaps uh, something, Joseph and the jealousy of his brothers. Or Esther, she's sort of, she's the most beautiful woman in all Persia. So it's, it's things like that. It's not really about competition as we would recognize it. And the question is, is maybe did this stuff happen? I'm guessing people still raced back then. Or was it so not important? 
that they wouldn't record it. And that gives us something to think about. In a world that we focus a lot on competition and competitive exercises, did Tennessee win last night? You know, and, and things like that. Did we, we focus on these things? There is a world possibly that existed that didn't care. Maybe it may be more basic, more intrinsic to who we are, but it just, it, it was not important. And so we, we've got to consider that. In the Christian Testament, or the New Testament, we do have it. We have racing as a thing, but there's, again, never an example of people racing that I know of. I mean, please, if you know, please let me share. But there's like, Jesus never races Paul to, or Jesus never races Peter to the Capernaum synagogue or something. There's nothing like that. When it is brought up, it is almost always a metaphor. And it's a metaphor of our life itself, our spiritual walk with God. And it's, it's in a couple different places, usually given to us by Paul. And if you were to read Paul, you find out it's not a quick race. It's not an easy race. It's not the $100 dash, but rather a marathon. One that takes a lifetime. A lifetime. And it takes a, a healthy body and spirit and mind. As Paul says, I don't want to be running this race to be disqualified. But the key in the race is not the running, but the prize. He says, you know, we're just not running around in circles or punching in the wind. We are after something even more valuable than a medal or a laurel. That'll fade away or rust, but rather we are after a crown, he mentions it a number of times, that will last for eternity. Well, you know, I said in the Hebrew Testament there wasn't any kind of competition. No arm wrestling and such. And actually, I, I really did think that, but today I had this great inspiration. It was like, whoa, thanks God. Because this morning I got the image of Jacob wrestling with the angel. Now I'm going to go back to, I'm going to give us some uh, feedback. I'm going to go back in time, I guess I should say. Is that Jacob, when he wrestles this angel, it's when he's just about to meet Esau again, his twin brother. And if last we learned, Esau's last words to Jacob were, I'm going to kill you. Right? So they weren't getting along so great at that moment. And so Jacob really doesn't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know what's going to happen when they meet. So what he does is he sends all his, his uh, kids and wives and, and animals and all the, everybody ahead of him so he is alone. Completely alone. And it says that, and here's where it gets tricky. It says, a man, an angel, or God came. Now, we don't really know exactly. It's very, we don't know exactly what it is. This is the kind of stuff we would study in Bible, uh, in Bible study, which is we're going to have that coming up. I've got to give it a plug a little bit. But we don't know who it is, because if we were to believe the prophet Hosea, it is an angel. Of course, if we read Exodus, it says man, but the interpretation of who the, it's hard to say. I, I'll just give you, a, here, here's what happened, is a man comes, and he wrestles with Jacob. 
And they're wrestling, and they wrestle all night. They're wrestling. And right before the light comes, the man says, I got to get out of here. So here's the question. If he's a regular dude, why does he got to get out of there? I got to leave. And, and Jacob says, do not, you're not letting me, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And the man says, okay, all right, all right. From now on, your name is no longer Jacob. I mean, heal or deceiver, but rather your name is Israel which is that man who wrestles or contests with God and yet prevails. And then what happens is the guy says, okay, I get it, I blessed you, let me go. And Jacob asks, what is your name? And the man or the angel or God responds, why? This is where I would love to know the intonation. He says, why do you ask me my name? I mean, I'd love to know exactly how that said. Was it, why do you ask me my name? Or, you know, why would you ask me my name? I mean, tell me your name. Well, we don't know what happens after that. We don't know if he disappears or they give each other hugs or say, that was a good match. Because the next thing we know that Joshua decides to make that place named Peniel which means I have seen God face to face and have lived. Now you could say that Israel lost that struggle. I mean, if you read the whole text, you realize he ends up limping at the end. His hips out of place. Or you could say that the greatest lesson you could learn Here's what I'm going to say. Wherever you are in your race, in your walk with God, wherever you are, now you could be at a place where you're saying, man, I am praying, I'm, I'm doing great. Or maybe you're in that place where you're like saying, you know, gosh, I don't even, I don't even know the last time I prayed. Wherever you are, Remember this, that Mike Dillon, Richard Childress, Philip Raines, we, we never won a race. And yet we continue to struggle. We continue to wrestle. We continue to drive and to run, knowing that our walk and our race with God is an eternal one. And that through our faith and through our love and through God's light and through God's grace, we will win this race. Wherever you are in your race with God, Keep racing.